0: The Andy J podcast. The Andy J podcast. The Andy J podcast. Hey, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. I hope you're having a really terrific week. And I'm going to attempt to say this, if I get it wrong, my apologies. I would like to wish you all Gung Hei Fat Choi, which is Happy New Year for Chinese New Year. And the reason why I'm doing that is because of my wonderful, very special guest for this week, Mr. Ken Hom, the master of the wok. Ken is going to talk to us about a whole range of things. He's lived a really remarkable, fascinating and absolutely engrossing life. And moreover, he's also going to discuss Chinese New Year, because if you're listening to this in real time, We're in the middle of the Chinese New Year celebrations as we welcome the Year of the Tiger, uh, which I think is wonderful. And Ken will be on hand to explain a lot more about that. And if you know anything about Chinese New Year, you know that it's a great time for celebrating, welcoming in good things and eating lots of wonderful, wonderful food. So I'm all in. I'm on board for Chinese New Year. I wish you the most wonderful year ahead and hope that you have a year of happiness. And you know what? One of the things I think we could all just use this year is a bit less drama. You know what I mean? The last couple of years have been just a bit too dramatic, haven't they? Overall, there's just been a bit too much. I wish you a year of peace and a bit less drama. How does that sound to you? I hope you're on board for it. Um... Listen, I'm not going to go on about Ken because he speaks so eloquently, but what I will tell you is that he is the nicest man. This is a conversation that I hope and think will fill you with comfort and happiness. He's just such a lovely guy. He's done some amazing things in his life, but he's done—he's a force for good. He's done a lot of good in his world, and a lot of the activities that he does these days are around charitable organisations, and he's a giver of goodness. And I can also tell you that since our conversation, we recorded this a week or so ago, since our conversation. He's been the most lovely guest. You know, I like to tell you when guests kind of follow up with messages and calls and so on and so forth. And, and it's a lovely thing. It's a privileged position. And many of them do it. Some of them don't do it at all. Some of them don't even send an acknowledgement uh, when you when you say thanks for that or whatever. But Ken has been phenomenal. I've had several emails from him, um, all of them joyful and lovely. And just, I've got to tell you, he's a really, really good guy. So please enjoy this very special hour with the wonder that is. Ken Hom. The Andy J podcast. Now, I am so excited to tell you about today's guest. He's a man that I have genuinely been wanting to speak to for the best part of three decades. When I tell you he has legend status in my household, I am not giving you a word of a lie. And I'll explain why in due course. He's going to talk us through Chinese New Year. He's going to talk us through his amazing life. And he's also going to tell us how he's basically changed everyone's lives for the better. It is the remarkable, the brilliant, and I'm looking at him on my screen right now, the ageless Ken Hom. How you doing, Ken?
1: Gong Hei Fa Chai, which means, Gong Hei Fa Chai means a happy New Year. And you know it's funny? Um, I, I think a lot of people who are not Chinese, don't realize how big Chinese New Year is, especially for those of us in Asia. It's as if you had Christmas, New Year, and Easter rolled into one holiday. And I mean, we spent two weeks just eating, celebrating. Um, I I loved it when I was a kid, Andy, because I would, you know, because I was, I grew up very poor and then in Chinatown. And um, uh, I would, you know, sort of yank people's, uh, code and say, gung hai fa choy, which means happy new year. And they'd be obliged to give me an envelope with money. I mean, I cashed in. I mean, I really,
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> and gung- I,
1: knew, I knew who, I knew who the ones who were not cheap were. I, I hit them up a few times. <laughs> I
0: love this. So, so gung hai fat choy, this is happy new year in Cantonese, right? And there's obviously the yes, Mandarin okay. as well as is-
1: Mandarin is gung, gung shi fa chai, which is, uh, they're quite different.
0: Yeah. Okay. And and so what we're talking about when you say you went as a child to get these packets, we're, we're going to talk through Chinese New Year properly, Ken, because I I am so excited by it. And I should a big revelation for you for me. Um, my mother-in-law is Chinese, so I'm I'm quite immersed in. I, oh. I I love this. I've been celebrating Chinese New Year for about 14 years now since I've been with my wife, and I I love it. Your children must be gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so, but I'm incredibly biased, Ken. So you know that's. You know, they, they might not be to anyone else, but they are to me. So let's start off with this. You just mentioned you used to go around as a child and say "gong hey, fat, choy, to, to, to adults. And you'd be presented with, it's a red envelope, isn't it? A LIC packet, is that a right? A red
1: envelope. Because, yes, because red is a colour of happiness, good luck, and that sort of thing. And usually it would have, uh, either have someone's name on it or it would have um, a symbol of the new year, like for for instance, this new year, um, today is the beginning of Chinese New Year, which means the year of the tiger. And one of my grandsons happens to be a tiger. And uh, oh, my God, he's a handful. <laughs> 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 he's 10 years old. I mean, going on like 18 <laughs>
0: Brilliant, <laughs> love it, love it. It's a feisty one. So this is so when it comes to you know obviously when we celebrate New Year in the UK and in the in, in the Western world, it's basically just the changing of a date. You know, twenty one became twenty two next year it become twenty three and so on. And it's there's no great there's a few fireworks but nothing significant really. You know, we might have a New Year's Eve party and see the New Year and sing Old Lang Syne and so on. But this it's not a huge deal really. It's just sort of it's just the changing of a calendar. But in Chinese New Year, it it is in the culture in particular, there's a huge temperature change, isn't there? Because there's a connection to animals like the calendar. The Chinese yeah. have animals. Exactly. So can you so explain that? Calendar.
1: Yes. It's, um, you know, the, the legend had it that, uh, uh, when Buddha, um, uh, summoned all the animals and the first one, um, uh, uh, was I'm a Taurus, which is a cow, but the thing is the rats jumped. On top of my head, and jump first, so the rat became the first. <laughs> so it was a big animal. race. between
0: all these animals?
1: Yes, exactly. They all came to see Buddha, and you know these these uh, legends uh, were built up over time. I mean, we're talking about thousands of years of people adding things to it, and and what is tied to also um, it's also the beginning of. Um, spring which means you know the planting renewal that sort of thing and it's a bit like new year's in our culture too in the west which is um people want to start anew they're making new year's resolutions like i won't eat so much this year (laughs) i'll be careful i'll be a good person that sort of thing and uh, especially um where chinese new year which is by the way celebrated not only, of course, in China, but in places like Vietnam. Um, you know, I'm here in Thailand, and it's celebrated very big in Thailand, um, all over Asia, and it's part of that sort of culture. And it, you know, I'm like uh, in the West, where you have one day, and a couple of days off, we have two weeks. I love that. And <laughs> Best thing about it. <laughs> you know, you have, you know, what people do is they go and visit their families. Uh, because some people because they're away from their families working etc so it's a really family holiday as well and of course it all revolves around the center of food and you eat certain things like fish because fish is uh, uh, it sounds like prosperity so you want to eat a lot of that you don't say bad words like you don't talk about uh, bad things like death and uh, you know you clean your house so that it's not dirty yeah and and you want to eat things that hopefully will bring you good health and lots of prosperity yes yes and
0: and i love this because there is there's the most sort of wonderful stories around all of the different reasons for doing things. It's not just, oh, do this because I've told you so. There's there's mythology yeah. to everything, isn't there, which is which is so poetic, actually. Now, you've mentioned that this will be, we're going into the year of the tiger. What does that mean, Ken? Because obviously you've talked about your feisty grandson, who sounds great, by the way. But, <laughs> but, but what does it mean for for kind of the rest of us? What can we expect well, from the year of the tiger?
1: Well, hopefully it will be better than the last two years. I think... Um, We will come roaring back, in other words, from uh, the last two years. uh, It's been quite challenging. And I think that um, uh, the prognosis looks good. Things uh, already we see, despite everything the economy is picking up. So um, Tiger is supposed to be a very good year because it's followed by the biggest year next year, which is Dragon. So Tiger and Dragon together means we're going to be roaring ahead and um it's a good uh, sign of, of the future and i think we should be optimistic you see i'm already excited now
0: I mean, you've, you've got me feeling uh, great already ken although i have found out i mean i've known this for a while now but i am a snake what does this mean for me am i, am I okay with the tiger and a dragon am i am i on form with these guys or are they going to yes, stamp well, on
1: me well, we might eat you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could get swallowed by the year. All right. I'm up for that. I mean, so long as it's kind, we're all good.
1: <laughs> it's all a bit of fun, a really, movie. It is. Yes. And, and I think um, um, it's very interesting because uh, uh, when I started doing lots of things about Chinese New Year's in the UK, I mean, this is a long time ago. And Oh, I mean, almost 40 years ago, nobody sort of celebrated outside of the uh, Asian community of uh, Chinese New Year. And now everybody knows about it. They, 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 they're interested in it. And as you said, Andy, some people say, you're the tiger. What does that mean? You know, uh, Is that good or bad? And, and that sort of thing. And, and the interest, I think, only, not only in the Chinese New Year, but the interest in the, the food as well, I think, is very important. And you know, it, it's interesting, Andy, because Chinese food uh, is part of the UK DNA of food. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I see all these, I talk to these young people who grew up with Chinese food. They think it's like fish and chips, <laughs> 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 which is great. And, they're, and, and everybody's richer for that because the, the, the food is exciting.
0: Yes. No, it is. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. But of course, we sort of traditional Brits have a slightly different version of Chinese food to what real Chinese food is. I mean, I certainly before I wow. met my wife and before I was introduced to proper Chinese food, I was kind of addicted to the E numbers of, you know, your <laughs> lemon chicken and chicken and cashew nuts and so on. And then, of course, I introduced to things like your char su buns and your, 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 Char siu pork and and these amazing dishes that are completely different with a lot more chili and much better ingredients and of course there's the lessons we've learned from you for many generations now I mean you are the pioneer you're the man that has brought our palates up to order I mean it's it's fantastic.
1: Well, I I, think that I want to bring people uh, joy and what I mean by that is it's funny, Andy. You, um, you've had a glimpse by, uh, being with your wife and her family, um, uh, interest into another culture. And, and that's enriching because what happens, you, your children will have, uh, so much more things to uh, enjoy. And, and it's such a, uh, opening for them that makes their life richer. And I think, uh, we can all learn things from each other. And the more things we share, I mean, the better life is. I mean, why eat the same boring food every day? It's, it's so nice to have food from different around the world. And it's so nice to meet different people of different culture because we learn things. And this is how it's going to be a better world. Yes. No, you're
0: you're it's so more right.
1: exciting. You're so right, Ken.
0: And it's, this is about sharing as well, isn't it? You know, I think I think there's this thing with absolutely. across the world. We know there's lots of beliefs, lots of religions, lots of people that are choosing their chosen direction of faith and so on. And that's fine. More power to them. Whatever they want to believe, that's absolutely fine. But I think if you can approach it in an open way, you know, I I didn't know who the Nean monster was a few years ago, and now it's one of my children's favourite stories because it's just wonderful. <laughs> And you know, no one's saying to me- When did get it to manga? When did they get it to manga?
1: <laughs> <laughs> manga. you will be in big trouble.
0: <laughs> it's going to cost me a fortune, Ken. You know. It's,
1: it's- yeah, my grandfather's is into it. It's costing me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All my raw teeth are that. You should- Oh, come on.
0: You should do your own. You should, you should create your own manga, Ken. I mean, it's- <laughs> This, this this could add to the HOM empire. I, I think this could be a really exciting, it's a slight twist on what you've done previously, but nonetheless, Ken HOM does manga. This could work. I mean, we could have a new venture
1: here, Ken. And for charity.
0: <laughs> Even better. That would be amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. But you're also right. I mean, we... we just sort of one last thing on the chinese new year celebrations because of course the food is incredible and like you say there's this two week long celebration and the licey packets and the acknowledgement and the respect etc that's that's kind of passed around the generations but there's also these wonderful celebrations i love going to them in in chinatown in soho with the dragon
1: dance oh it's great it's fantastic i mean um i you know seeing a these dances of uh, actually, it's the lion dance, uh, not dragon, it's lion, the lion thank dance. You, yes. but uh, yes. But to see, uh, uh, not only is it an opening, but for children, it's really exciting because it's, uh, it, 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 it's very happy. Uh, uh, yeah, everybody is exciting to see these things jump up and down. <laughs> and you know, Everybody it, it, it's inclusive that's what I think is really nice about that, which, which makes it it's very joyful and uh, um, I see children of, of all uh, ages and from different backgrounds enjoying it and, and I think that's uh, the beauty of uh, uh, Tang and the, you know these firecrackers what are the firecrackers are to drive away evil bad things. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. And of
0: course, you know, that, that translates. So we, where we've got those things that you throw on the floor, you know, that go snap, snap. Yeah. I can't remember what they're called now, a Little, but my kids think they're brilliant because they're like mini explosions. They're all for it. <laughs> my pockets, my coat <laughs> pockets are always full of them. Ken, I find in them like weeks later when I'm searching for a tissue because it's cold season and I pull out one of these poppers off of the floor. It's great fun. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all good. Um, but, but so yes, Ken, thank you for explaining. Chinese New Year to us. I mean, it is, it, it, for those that aren't familiar with it, I would sort of thoroughly encourage you to, to kind of read up on it and, and go and watch a lion dance because it is, it's just, it's lovely to watch. It's full of joy and colour and sound and happiness. Yeah, they're, they're really great experiences.
1: God knows we need that these days. Absolutely. <laughs> happiness.
0: Yes, yes, precisely. We need to be spreading more of that. Now, Ken, if you're, if you're happy, I'd love to talk about your remarkable life because we're sitting here I'm I'm in the cold UK you're in what looks like glorious sunshine in Bangkok and and you are I mean an international man of mystery really Ken you've had the most phenomenal life where you have lived and worked all over the world but that's been since you've become a professional you know your early days that wasn't the case was it you you sort of talked about earlier on you mentioned that you you grew up very poor. I think you've—I've heard you describe yourself yeah. as remember. You know, one of your early memories from childhood is hunger. Can you talk us through it? Because yeah. I think you've had a fascinating beginning to what then became a remarkable yeah. life.
1: With my dad, unfortunately, um, he, he passed away when I was eight months old, and my mother uh, had just arrived in America. Uh, this is after the Second World War, and my mother never spoke English, and we. Uh, the beginning, we lived on um, his money. He was a veteran, so we lived on his insurance money. And then, obviously, my mother had to work. And she could not get a job unless um, it was with some Chinese. So some relatives found her um, some work in, in Chicago. Uh, we had to go to Chicago. And we were very, very poor. I mean, my mother was making the equivalent of like, I don't know, 60, 70 pounds a month. Oh, wow. And, um, but you know something, Andy, what got us through that was, uh, the Chinese community because people would, uh, come and help us. They would give us things. Uh, um, my mother would, because my mother was literate in Chinese, she would write letters for people who couldn't write, read or write. And, and, um, she wouldn't accept money for it. I said, Mom, this could be a cash opportunity. No. <laughs> Instead, she, they would bring her oranges or food, and she would accept that. But, you know, it, 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 it's funny, and the uh, community is very important. And, um, you know, that got me through that. And then, of course, um, I didn't learn English until I was six, because I was only speaking Cantonese. That was my first language. So, you know how you go to school and, you know, children, they bully you because you don't speak the language. But, I, you know, it's amazing, though. When you're young, you learn quickly. You learn fast. So, um, I I used to bring food, you know, to um, my mother would make, even though we were poor, she would make me something hot. And everybody would have, have cold sandwiches. And I would open the thermos. And the smells, the waffle through the classroom. And then soon I was bargaining with them. Okay, if you give me two sandwiches, maybe I'll let you sample some of like my <laughs> mom's cooking.
0: <laughs> brilliant. There's the beginning of the entrepreneur. I was a
1: dealer. I was a dealer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I say entrepreneur, you say dealer.
1: That's wonderful. <laughs> <I was> entrepreneur.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. That's, I mean, can you, you sort of talk about the community? Obviously they accepted you and, and, How much did you feel that you were having to lean on the community more? Because, as you say, your father died when you were eight months old. So you, you presumably, you have no memories of him because he was just, you know, you were too young when he died. But were you aware, as a child, you know, as an older child, age six and so on,
1: uh, of the absence of a father figure? But you know what? In the Chinese community, there were a lot of people who were uh, uncles. In other words, this was your uncle, and they would help my mom. uh, they would, uh, uh, In fact, that's how I got started. At age 11, my Uncle Paul gave me a job uh, working in this restaurant. And soon, I said, my God, this is what it's like to make money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's where how I learned how to cook. And it, it's funny because it made a career and a life for me, learning how to cook at that age but I just thought I'm never going to do this for the rest of my life because this is horrible. I mean, <laughs> working in a kitchen, in a restaurant, I mean, it's not so glamorous. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it, it's funny I mean, how I came back to it later. Um, I started uh, teaching people how to cook because I was a poor university student and I really needed money <laughs> to get through, uh university. And I started teaching cooking um, as a way to pay my rent. And one thing led to another, and uh, uh, I started a cookery school. Um, uh, in, I, I studied at, in, at the university in, in, uh, um, outside of San Francisco. And one thing led to another. I, um, I was doing cooking classes in Hong Kong, oh, and wow. that led to And led to a BBC interview. Uh, BBC was looking for um, uh, someone to do Chinese cookery for two years. They they did a worldwide search and they asked me to audition. I thought, oh no, I'm not that good to be on the BBC. And they said, would you like to be our presenter? And you know, it's like this one thing you think, "Mm, hmm. I'm not sure this is going to work <laughs> because I, I, Andy, I've never done television before, right? And I, I was traumatized. I, actually, I couldn't do it after my first series. I was so traumatized I couldn't do another series for ten years because I, I thought, "Oh no, this is not me." Really? Yeah. But to make a long story. Yeah, make a long story short. The uh, 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 series uh, which came out. Before you were born in 1984. Oh, that's not before and I was born. It, sadly, I wish that were the case.
0: I'm a I'm a it child of broke the seventies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it broke all of, of records, and it just made me a household name. And I, I still couldn't believe it. I thought, yeah, so people, uh, he said, yeah, well, I think it's cool. You know, you. <laughs> well, we we've we've, I mean, we've we've
0: leapt we've leapt a, a huge leap here from from. Six years old trading food for sandwiches and, and and kind of combating the bullies for friendship to suddenly being on the BBC. Reference the fact that I mean we've first and foremost, Ken, you, you left a freezing city for, as you say, San Francisco. So California, the, the dizzy heights of California. I mean, the, just the change in culture there. Flower
1: children. Yes, I was a flower child. It yes. Was long I hair. was gonna say, were you a hippie. Was that your thing? Yes, I was a hippie. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I was a hippie, and uh, uh, I had hair—long hair. Long hair. <laughs> <laughs> I was very cool. I was very cool, and, um, and it, it was brilliant for me because uh, uh, being in California, I saw a huge um, a San Francisco Chinese community, which um, I, I was quite attached to, and. Um, awareness that a lot of people were more aware of Chinese food, especially in California. And uh, I went to school. Uh, also, I, I was a teacher's assistant at the University of California, in Asian-American Studies, And it was just it was so cool. You know, it, at that time, we were ant- marching anti-Vietnam Wars and, uh, and peace and love, you know. And, of course, I loved the Beatles. I, and um, uh, it's funny, the first time I went to the UK in 1971, I just couldn't believe it. I, I had my first fish and chips, uh, which I love. And then I go to Chinese restaurants and they'd be serving fish and chips. I said, Hold on, dear. <laughs> on? <laughs> yeah, that's not quite right, is it? <laughs> yeah, that was an awakening. Uh, but hey, People
0: want a fish and chips, and no, why not? <laughs> yes, but this is where you've brought the change, Ken. You know that's the point. Is is you are you are the man who brought the change, who made it from a like you say a glorified fish and chip shop to a to a proper Chinese restaurant serving proper Chinese food. So so, Ken, you had the university experience. You started teaching cooking, and you were getting paid for it. You were getting money in your back pocket. And as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, some of your uh, your lessons some of the, the people you were teaching you weren't actually teaching how to cook chinese food it was things like uh, how to cook pasta and Italian dishes and so on I mean the, a, a well f- you
1: know the thing is yeah the first time I got a cooking gig was at a cookery school which paid me a lot of money They paid me a, almost two months left and they said um, uh, you know I had been to Italy I knew how to make pasta we're talking about I mean the 70s 30s 70s and this is so cool so I did uh couple of weekends of Italian cooking. And she said, do you know anything about Chinese? I said, oh my God, I could do that blindfolded. <laughs> of course. <laughs> let me lose here. Yeah. yeah. Let me lose here. Yeah. And I thought, mm, I, you know, um, this is something I know. And, and you know, it's about sharing. Uh, and, you know, Andy, the thing is, what I think BBC liked about me when they auditioned me was uh, above all anything, I was a teacher. In other words, um, you know, it was for BBC Continuing Education at that time, and it was about teaching food, uh, another culture through food. And um, one of the persons who had recommended me was the the, the great Indian cook, uh, Madhu Jeffrey, right. and she had a really successful Indian food series. And when they said they were looking for Chinese, she said, "You should talk to Ken." And 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 so. When they interviewed me, they said, you're the person to do this series. And I just never thought it would change my life. Do do you know this is the the, the 100th um, uh, centenary of the BBC? Yes. Um, And they have 100 items. And one of the items that they're uh, featuring is the Ken Home Walk. I love that. (laughs) Well, yes, we have to talk walks because... Goodness me, Ken!
0: You have you have made walks very popular and sold a lot of them. So, so Ken, when the BBC come calling, and when and when you start recording this series, it was nineteen eighty four, I think. You were what?
1: Uh... Yeah, it was in eighty three. They commissioned me. Eighty three, they commissioned me, and uh, uh, in February actually of eighty three, and then they they came to film me uh, in Hong Kong mm-hmm. when I was doing my cookery classes in October of 83. And then the studio work would be done in London in the summer of 84. Right. And it would go out uh, uh, in the autumn on, on BBC2. And um, uh, it went out, I think, at seven. it had, uh, at that time, uh, over 4 million viewers, which was considered quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. But the book that went with the series was uh number one on the bestseller list for uh twenty six weeks. And I even I was so Jeffrey Archer.
0: <laughs> hey, hey. hey. and that would have that been year. the sort of that would have been the Cain and Abel time. So that's that is saying something, Ken. That is that is that is a big deal. And and, and how old are you at this time, Ken? Is it early thirties? Oh yes, I'm in my early, um early thirties and I,
1: I didn't know what hit me, and I remember going to a book signing um, uh, with the BBC rep. And you know, usually when my I already had a book come up and I, I'd be lucky if like ten friends came to my book signing to support me. Um, we went to the I think it was called Bloomsbury. It was the biggest bookshop in London, and there were six hundred people queued up, you know, all over. I said, "Who are they waiting for?" They said, "They're waiting for you." I said. No, you must be kidding me. <laughs> and, and and one of the things that touched me uh, so much, almost made me cry, was a Chinese postman. And um, uh, he said, Ken, you know, you made us so proud that you're sharing our food with the rest of the, uh, the British public. And, you know, I almost broke down. <laughs> <That's wonderful. laughs> I went to kiss him said, oh, thank well. you. Uh, I was so touched by it. Uh, he, he, uh, and you know it's things like that that actually uh made me more happy than anything hello it's john markar here from our
0: sister podcast the driven chat podcast right now you're listening to the andy J podcast and it's quite good isn't it in fact do me a favor give it a little review five stars and wherever you're listening hit that little subscribe or follow button because it does help see you around the andy J podcast Yes, that I mean that is that is so lovely to hear, Ken. And 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 what's the? Because of course we see the celebrity side of it. We see the TV show. We see the books. We hear about the book signings and so on. But you know, you're in your early thirties here. You, you're kind of through your uh, American phase. You're now living in Hong Kong. You're through your hippie phase and your peace and love and your long hair and so on. But but what is the man behind? the shows in the books at this point? Are you a family man at this stage? Are you a father yourself? What's, oh, what, what, what's the background yet. to Ken at this stage? Yes,
1: I'm, I'm, uh, it's, 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 it's kind of wild. I mean, California, that California at that time. You know, uh, <laughs> You're having uh, a good time still. I cool. oh, yes, I'm having a good time. And uh, I had hair. I had hair. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it was really interesting because um, I, I, I had also come up with a, a book which was uh, pioneering at that time, which was called, um, um, I call it East Meets West. And it's sort of the precursor of what we call now fusion cooking, where I mix everything from things that I've learned in France and Italy, etc., with with my Asian background. In other words, my Chinese background, uh, coming up with new ideas, new dishes, And you know what's funny, Andy, a lot of people don't know, because you see this side of my cooking, which is on television, et cetera. But they don't know I have a very professional side, which meant um, I did food for airlines. I cooked at the top hotels around the world, doing this kind of cooking, uh, especially in Asia, uh, of East meets West, uh, taking ideas from Italy and mixing them with, asian flavors and food and that actually was um, uh, my professional reputation it was amazing i I had people coming all corporate uh doing potatoes you know in in asia would you come and do this uh uh, i did all the food for cafe pacific airlines for three years Uh, i cooked in all the top hotels uh, uh, around the world, like uh, here in Bangkok, which is uh, in Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, uh, Sydney, uh, Auckland, New Zealand, <laughs> New Zealand, they call me, Ken, Kian, kian, kian. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love, it. love that. Um, uh, it, it, it was an amazing thing. Um, and then, of course, I started doing uh, a restaurant group in, in uh, uh uh the uk in london i i worked for them I i pioneered this kind of uh pan asian and uh, kind of, uh, cooking and uh um I had a daughter but not married i <laughs> need uh, to remember i grew up In in the era of free love and all that kind of stuff. Ah, Hey, no judgments here, Ken. More power to you. Good for you. (laughs) So long as no one was hurt, Uh, that's all uh, good. No. And uh, um, uh, it's lovely now. Uh, I have uh, two young grandsons who are the light of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, and I just love them so much. And they they love to see me cook. And I uh, I. I, I do fish and chips for
0: them. <laughs> Good man, too right, too right. You've got to stay true to that as well. So, Ken, as so, so just talk me through the sort of change that you've witnessed in the the, the world's taste buds. Because you know, I, I'm not kind of I'm not exaggerating when I say you are the man responsible for this, this unlocking of flavors around the world. I mean, it is, it is down to you. It is because of you, you know, there wasn't someone before you, you say the business brand, new. you were putting these things together and you had the spotlight as well, because of your books and because of your TV show and so on,
1: but you did bring the change. So how have you, Yeah, but you know, it's, I think it's, uh, being at the right place at the right time. And what I mean by that, Andy, um, we're talking about sort of the coming up age, um, Media, social media. And in other words, when you do one thing here, other people hear about it. In other words, chefs start uh, doing gigs elsewhere. In other words, uh, you have French or British chefs come to cook in Hong Kong, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And not only that, but uh, because we, we get interviewed, we share our ideas, people eat our food. They say, ah, wait, that's interesting. And, and so it's expanding communication for good and for bad uh, that people can share things. It's what you were saying about sharing and we don't keep our secrets anymore. We want to share them to to make this a better world. I I do books because I want to share things with people. And, and, and I love it when young chefs say to me, you know, Ken, we took your idea and we did this. Fantastic. I, I said, do I get raw tears on that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, <laughs>
0: but but I guess what I mean, Ken, is because because it is it is you're you're yeah. so right. The sharing is is the way forward, and it's the way to have a better world and all the rest of it. But but. But in terms of the, 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 the change that you've witnessed, and this is what I mean, you know, when you, when you were in your 30s and you were bringing this food to new countries and new territories, no one else was doing this. You know, France didn't know what pak choy was and so on. You know, and, and you're bringing there, you've got the hot wok going and, it's, and you're showing people how to do this. And now, of course, wherever you travel... Flavours that you have introduced to the world are permeating everything. Every dish, every chef knows about it and is influenced about it. People at home are cooking for themselves. They love it. They have special evenings with it and so on. So how have... You know, we have seen our taste buds change. I I remember one of the last meals I had with my granddad when he was alive was I had a Chinese meal with him, a proper Chinese meal with him, and it was a revelation for him because these are different generations. Ken, you know, like like you've alluded to, you know, your father fought in the war, my grandfather fought in the war, and so on, and and therefore Chinese food was brand new for him. Whereas, you know, for obviously people my age in our forties and so
1: on, it's the norm. Of course, and you look at your children. and uh, their classmates. I mean, it's interesting. Um, there, there was a, a survey about, I was interviewed about four or five years ago uh, about how Chinese food has become so British that people think it's I mean, it's British. Yeah. I mean, young people grow up thinking that it's British. And, and I think that's wonderful. It's it's that embracing of of uh the taste buds that have has transformed people's way of eating. And when you see young people now, you know, just let go for Chinese. They don't even I mean, they don't blink an eye. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yes, of course. I, mean, I just like your granddad was like, What? Chinese? you know, that sort of thing. And it shows how not only how generations have changed, how the world has changed. I mean, as much as, uh, you know, there's all this criticism about globalization. Well, globalization is so good for many things because it it will help us fight against climate change. It will uh, um, help us fight and uh, uh, try to alleviate poverty. you know, we, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the, the soapbox things that I get on is food waste. Andy, it uh, just drives me absolutely crazy about how much food is wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this is what I rant and rave about in the UK all this food is being bin and thrown away. Uh, please don't do that because it's bad for the, the, the world, it's bad for everyone. Um, and, even when you think that I'm an ambassador for action against hunger, that there are 800 million people that are hungry yeah. in the world when the people are throwing away food. We must stop these kinds of things. You know, it's a, uh, these are the things I'm uh, uh, working and raving about. <laughs> yes, rightly so.
0: Well, I mean, you're, you're so right, Ken. It's, it's, there is a degree of out of sight, out of mind. You know, I think people don't realize if you if you let something go past its best before date in your fridge, and then you just chuck it out, then you're not thinking of this 800 million people that are hungry.
1: You know, this, and, and and you know, Andy, you know what I say to people, Andy, you, the, the common sense, like my mother's generation, my parents and everything, uh, what they do is they took something, didn't have their sub, but they smelled it. Mm. Well, if it smells off. It's off, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, You know, use what uh, nature gave you. You It's like, if it doesn't smell right, then it's not right. I don't care what the date is on there. And um, I always smell and sniff everything. (laughs) And if it doesn't taste right, chuck it out. But before you do that, use your senses. That's what I tell people. And um, the sell by date is... uh, you know, I, you know, sometimes I, I go and um, I, I, I cook for the homeless and um, the ingredients, I don't know what I'm going to cook, but the ingredients come from supermarkets that uh, have food near itself. I date. they know they won't be able to sell it, but the food is perfectly fine. I take it and I make a menu, a three course menu. Mm. I mean, this is food that would wind up in the bin. It's outrageous.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's appalling. And
1: we, and, we, and we need to stop that. We, and we need to teach uh, children not to be wasteful. Uh, in other words, that food is actually valuable and that we should treat it with respect. Yes.
0: Yes, no, you're, you're completely right, Ken. And, and, and what about these sort of, you know, we, we see restaurants at the end of the day where they've just, they're just kind of troweling food into the bin and so on. Right what can we be doing? How can we improve this? Well, see, well,
1: number one, Andy, when I see, for instance, if I go to a Chinese restaurant and if I order too many things, I take it all back home. Yeah. And in other words, I don't let the restaurant chuck it out and everything. I don't mind the eating leftovers. Leftovers are fine. This is, this is what we have to change our mentality. In fact, I love leftovers because I don't have to cook. Too right. <laughs> it's a great pleasure.
0: Leftovers are a joy. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. I could drink more wine then.
0: <laughs> Precisely, Ken. You, you've absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I mean, and that's a very simple thing, isn't it? But, but is there, you know, obviously, you say you're, you know, you're, you're the ambassador for for, 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 for action for change and, 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 and combating all all the global hunger issues. So, so what is it? What what steps should we be doing? What can we be putting in place to to make this change real? Well, number one,
1: we should not be buying more than what we can use. This is a problem about, uh, this is what I rant and rave against the supermarkets, you know, get, buy two, get one free, uh, this kind of thing. Uh, mm. uh, and we wind up buying more than what we need. And uh, I mean, think about it before you buy something. And I, I'm not going to use that uh, uh, food. We, we, we tend to buy too much. Because I understand that. And never go to the supermarket hungry. See, that's the problem. When you go to the supermarket <laughs> and you're very hungry- good, very yeah, you good, very can good, point.
0: yeah.
1: And know what I, I do also, Andy, it's about, um, this is what I, probably one of my projects is my leftover cookery book, which means, how do you take things that are leftover and don't chuck it out? Well, you know what I do? I, I, I have all scraps and pieces of little, like a meat dish or this dish, I just put it all up in a bolognese sauce. Nobody knows the difference. It tastes really good. I put a lot of spices, garlic into it. My God, people say this is so good. <laughs> they don't know it's the leftovers. Brilliant. <laughs> don't throw anything away. My 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 freezer is filled with little bits of that. And then you know I do I do my uh, left, uh, leftover soup which I throw everything in there and it's cold. Sometimes I discover it and I say, oh my God, this is so great. But I can't remember what I threw in there. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes, you're right. Be creative with what's there. Don't chuck out, yeah. reuse, always find another way to, to repurpose right. rather than throw away. I mean, it's, these are simple things, Ken, that we can all do. So yeah, no, that, that's, that's absolutely sage advice. Uh, Ken... let's talk about you and and the last few years for you, you know, about a decade ago, you had a health scare, you know, you've been notoriously incredibly fit and healthy your whole life. I mean, I I said it at the start, you looking, you know, you look the same age that you did. I had a, I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you, Ken. I had hair, I had hair.
1: Uh, hair, I had hair. I have uh, lots of them.
0: Apart from the hair.
1: <laughs> apart from the
0: hair. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to share a story with you, Ken. At university, my first year of university, I lived with three, uh, three young lads from Malaysia who were really great guys. And they taught me, so I'm a terrible chef, but none of well, cook. I can't call myself a chef. I'm a terrible, but they, they gave me a few ideas. Great and food in Malaysia. Great food. And then we had a poster of you on our wall and it was effectively the, the front cover of your book, Hot Walk. And we put it up on our wall, yes. along with other heroes of ours, like David Genela, the Newcastle United footballer and so on. But you were up there on our wall of legends. And I just had to tell you that you look the same now as you did in the in the late 90s when I was at university. So it's been a well-known <laughs> I wasn't kidding when I said I couldn't, I was so excited to be chatting to you because you, you have, you've had this hot walk legend status for me for, for many decades. And, and the point is you, you have been known to have this wonderful lifestyle, you know, your swimming and your diet and your exercise and so on, which is kind of the fountain of your youth. But nonetheless, even with all of this practice in place that you've had yep. for, for years, cancer came calling,
1: you, you know, and you, 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 you had to yeah. fight it. Yes, I discovered uh, this was uh, actually twelve years ago. Um, I was sixty then, and I go through a physical checkup, and um, they discovered my PSA was up. Okay, that's fine. They said come back in two weeks. They said, oh, is there, we're going to do a biopsy, and they discovered I had uh, the beginnings of prostate cancer. Now, if I was my age now, you know, it's not a problem. But I was younger then. And uh, uh, they said, you got to take care of this. Uh, and so I went for a treatment in Japan. It was wonderful because uh, I could eat and drink whatever I wanted. I didn't have to do anything special. Uh, uh, I, I drank a lot of sake. I discovered Japanese whiskey. I mean, it was it was wonderful. Uh, a, a friend of mine uh, who was in the travel business with the "Ken, you really know how to make cancer treatment glamorous." <laughs> you know, you know, and it also too, it's uh, not cancer things. It's also how you are in your mind. Right. You know, okay, I have this problem. I'm not going to be depressed by it. I'm going to fight it. I still went swimming, etc., and I'm going to fight it. You know, uh, and, and if I have to go, I'm going to go out and style, drinking a lot of sake. So <laughs> I said, No, I'm not going to let this be treatment. And you know, with, uh, um and I'm per- perfectly fine now. Um, uh, it, the treatment I had that the cancer, and so I decided to uh, uh, talk about it. And in other words, to get men. To go out and get tested, and so I became an ambassador also for prostate cancer, um, uh, for uh, prostate cancer in the UK, because I felt that if I could save one life, it would have been worth it. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought if I talked about it, if I could get men to go get tested, see, women are much more, they, you know, they're cool about you know, getting a, uh, mammograms and stuff like that, but then, you know, prostate cancer touches all kinds of <laughs> things. So I thought if I talked about it and if I could get people to go get tested and since then, a lot of men in the UK have untested tested because, they, you know, prostate cancer kills a lot of people in the UK. Yes. And yes. so. I mean, is it something, do
0: you, do you feel a sense of responsibility, Ken? Because you are in this Position of great fame, and, and, and I think it's fair to say that universally there's, there's such affection for you. You're not one of these sort of controversial celebrities who some people don't like. Everybody loves you, everybody wants to listen to what you have to say. So, do you, do you sort of feel that uh, almost a pressure to, to
1: use your voice? No, oh, it's, it's, I think, um, it's not, uh, and it's not pressure, but it's my responsibility. Let's put it that way. Um, because i've been so lucky uh to be successful and now i have a responsibility to use that uh success for better causes uh not to make uh, money but to uh, lend my notoriety to good causes that helps the planet helps everyone um to make this a better world because that's my message i want to make this world better for everybody because i've been such a lucky bloke i mean really uh i've had so many people that have been kind to me and helped me along the way and and you know you see people who are doing wonderful things in life and you say wow I can't be Desmond Tutu, but <laughs> he can inspire me. I can, you know, Nelson Mandela, the things that they do. And um, uh, maybe I can do something in my own small universe to, to make this planet better and to make everybody be happier.
0: Yes, that's what, what a lovely thing to hear, Ken. I mean, I, I spoke quite recently to, to Ching, Ching He Hang, and she yeah. was talking about destiny people and the people that have helped her. And she cited you as one of hers. I I'm afraid mm-hmm. I can't remember the, 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 the translation. I just know yeah. that it was destiny. People, yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah. I, knew,
0: I knew you'd know. And, and it is, it's, it's that notion of kindness and sharing and, and spotting somebody that needs a hand and helping them.
1: And Andy, this is, you know, I am where I am because of my mum. She was a single mum. And she imbued these values into me about sharing. My mom, when, after she passed away, my God, we couldn't, the hall that I rented for her memorial couldn't fit the number of people who came because there were hundreds of people who came because the kindness that she did to them. And she was like that. And she taught me that. And I want, this is a legacy that I inherited from her. Even though she, had a tough life and everything. She was, uh, she wanted to help, she was always helping other people. And even when she was in the uh, the care home, she was in at at the end of her life. He said, we have, the nurses said, we have to keep your mom from trying to make everybody's bed up.
0: (laughs) Oh, good for her.
1: She was like, Uh, you know, she would buy chocolates for everybody, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's her legacy to me, and I want to carry on the work. Yes, you're keeping that
0: flame burning, aren't you? I mean, I mean Ken, if I'd, you told me earlier, you know, as a child, you, you have memories of being hungry, you know, you had challenges with some bullies in the early stages of school and having to learn language and so on. And, and you know, these are tough upbringings. You know, this isn't, this isn't stuff that's forgotten lightly, and it is the stuff that builds you and makes you the person you are. But if I'd said to six-, seven-year-old, little Ken, if I'd said, little Ken, listen... By the time you're, you know, 40, you'll be on the BBC and a household name and cooking all over the world. By the time you're 50, you'll have changed the way the the world consumes their food. And by the time you're 70, you're going to be pioneering uh, so many good causes, making a difference, and everyone on the planet's going to know who you are and think you're just a wonderful guy. Would you have believed me? Would you have kind of seen that ascendancy?
1: No, definitely not. I just... I just want to get enough to eat. (laughs) But uh, um, now that I look back and I see how, I mean, my mom, that's really who I um, owe everything to. And then when I see people um, who are loving parents, you know, uh, uh, what children need, number one is love. And if you have love and then values And, and with that, even if you're hungry, you can still carry on. Wow. So give your children love. Yeah. Lots of it. Talk us through,
0: if you don't mind, share with us some of your, the things that you do every day, be it mentally or physically, that, that keep you sort of as this wonderful soul that you are.
1: Well, you know, Andy, it's about not thinking always about yourself. I I think one of the uh, things I see in today's world which actually makes me sad is uh, selfishness. You know, if you think about yourself. If I think about myself, I'll be depressed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, you must think about other people and sort of put your mind somewhere else and not always thinking about yourself. And... You know, stepping outside of oneself actually ah, gives you some peace. Well, hey, listen, Andy, we all know we're going to wind up in one place. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you're a billionaire, uh, uh, you're the most powerful person on this planet, that you can escape that. So if you know what the end game is, well, spend your moments when you're here, to have good thoughts and try to do good things. You know, it's, it's sometimes just a little gesture of smiling at someone, being kind to someone, you know, that's, that's important to not be a grump. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say to my grandson, Don't be Mr. Grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Grumpy is not nice. <laughs> <laughs> because being Mr. Grumpy makes you grumpy, and, yes. and you know, uh, you know, you have to laugh from inside your heart. That's uh, and you know what? Having laughter makes your life so much better <laughs> than yeah. being Mr. Grumpy. Yes, <laughs> so that's my philosophy. You know, that's <laughs> it's that, laugh.
0: That sounds a pretty easy one to follow, Ken. Smile, be kind, and laugh. I mean, that's. Those are words that we can all live by. And and I'm picking up the sense that maybe you're encouraging people to try sake as well.
1: <laughs> yes, I am. I, it's something new I discovered. I, I loved wine, but when I lived in Japan, uh, uh, getting my treatment, I discovered sake, how wonderful it is. And, and I find out that at my age now, in my 70s, I, I can drink more sake than I can drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you're
0: learning learning... All the time, Ken. It's, it's wonderful to hear. All the time. Let's talk about this year ahead for you. I'm, I'm mindful of the time as well. And you've given us so much of your company. It's been amazing, Ken. So so just, I guess, quickly, uh, as I understand it, Stir Fried Life, your, your autobiography, it's it's about to, I mean, it's, 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 it's obviously been out in the UK for a long time and, and, and brilliantly received yeah. in, in 2020. But it, you are sort of at this moment in time now where everything you're writing is being translated into multiple languages and being released in many different territories. And, and so it's coming well, to Thailand,
1: uh, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, being uh, translated into Thai, uh, actually uh, starting from today, Chinese New Year. And um, uh, that's when they're taking the orders uh, for the Thai edition of the book. Uh, t- two years ago, it was published in Chinese. And there's even talk about being made into a film So oh, wow. I said I said Bruce Lee's not around to play me So I said <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who would play you Ken? Who, who would you get that's around uh, now?
1: Uh, who, who would you get? No, no I think, uh, Anyway there's uh, Several Hong Kong actors That they, they would love to do it. Uh, so it, it's, it's very funny that, uh, But we'll see and, um, You know it's all, uh, you know, Andy, it's fun. You know, in life, if you're not having fun, then calm down, you know, and say, why am I not having fun? So have fun, laugh, please. You know, people need to laugh. And, they, and especially during these times, it's been, it's been, it's been tough. But, um, you know, life is kind of a joke. <laughs> so <laughs> You got to keep laughing. <laughs>
0: Uh, brilliant i think those are words to live by ken thank you so much it's it's been the most lovely conversation and and informative and inspiring and i have loved every second of it thank you ken
1: i would love to share a meal with you
0: next time (laughs) that would be amazing i would absolutely love that do please tell me if you if you're back in the uk that would be one of the great honors of my life that would be amazing the andy J. podcast didn't. I tell you, he was a lovely man. I, yeah, i got so much time for Ken. I really, I'm, I sincerely hope we do get to meet up and eat some food together and just hang out in the future when he comes over to the UK. Because what a lovely, lovely guy. I can tell you that next week we've got a completely different conversation for you. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. If I, if my timetable is correct and I I still have to get a few things in place but I'm pretty sure next week we will be welcoming the made in Chelsea bad boy or reformed pantomime villain, whatever, whatever you want to look at it Turned married man with kids and now ultra marathon running legend, Mr. Spencer Matthews. I'm fully anticipating that next week I'll be sharing a really incredible conversation with Spencer Matthews with you. But for now, I wish you a very happy week. Thank you so much for finding this show. Please tell your friends about it. If you'd like to leave some very upbeat and kind words about the show, please feel free to. And if you haven't heard all of our previous episodes, why not dip in? We have got so many episodes of. Riveting conversations just waiting for your ears. So have a great week, be kind, and make someone smile. Catch you soon. Bye bye. The Andy J podcast.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more